Hi, welcome to Marking the Role. Good to have you listening. Marking the Role is a podcast for teachers and anyone interested in education. We're based in the Illawarra area of Australia, but really we're for teachers everywhere. Last week, our topic was on student rights and quality education, and if some of those rights were actually starting to intrude on the quality of education that Australian students receive. We looked specifically at safety, uh, inclusion and privacy. Now, I'm not going to revise what was said in that podcast. Just go and listen to episode 13. You can get all the episode points, though, uh, in text form by going to markingtherole.com.au and just clicking on key episode points. I will, though, be spending a couple of minutes just reading out some emails and some comments from um, teachers and listeners um, and uh, trying to address a couple of the issues that, that are raised. Had um, a email from Shane saying that the podcast was a puppet for the New South Wales Teachers Federation. It was uh, too far to the left and uh, how could we get balance? Uh, so, Shane, we're not aligned with the Teachers' Federation. I'm not a member of the Teachers' Federation. I actually uh, disagree with about 30% of what the Federation does. So, Shane, we're not a puppet of the Teachers' Federation. We're simply supporting teachers, understanding what they're going through and looking at ways that could possibly help. This is giving a voice to teachers where... Uh, they don't have a voice and they are constantly reminded that they cannot speak out against their state education department. Now, that is a form of um, bullying, I suppose you could call it. Um, it's certainly it's a little bit like Putin's Russia, that you can't speak out against uh, the administration. Had another email from Garth, pretty short one, uh, and he said this. You are a right-wing program wanting to wind back the clock. Good luck. Well, thanks, Garth. We've had one comment saying that we're left-wing and now you're saying we're right-wing. Um, look, winding back the clock to something perhaps a bit better and looking at the good things that have happened in history, that's important. But we are not associated with any government department, political party, uh, union. Uh, we're simply a podcast aiming to give teachers a voice um, because we know, I know, our producer knows that they're in desperate need of a voice at this time. But there's been some terrific positive uh, cards and letters, well, not really cards and letters, uh, emails and text messages, Facebook messages, uh, and Lee Louise, um, our producer, is going to take us through a couple of them. Yes, Phil. Um, this one's from Jane in Tasmania. She just wanted to say that she truly appreciates the podcast and the message. My job is making me sick. I love it, but I feel exploited. I hope the right people are hearing your message. Here's one from Cassie. Thanks for speaking up when we are silenced from doing so as the Code of Conduct prohibits criticising the DET. Our principal loves reminding us of that. Uh, yes, that's what uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast, Cassie. It's a little bit Putin-esque, isn't it? 
and another from a Sophie in Queensland. For the first time in my career, I feel seen and understood. It's a breath of fresh air when I've been drowning for so long. Thank you, Phil and the team. And thanks, thanks, Sophie. And uh, one more from another Sophie um, from Ballarat. Keep doing your good work. This is what we need to get these discussions out in the open. Hearing your podcast is like talking to a colleague in the staff room. Such solidarity. Uh, and finally, uh, I want to thank Esna Kasulki, who has bought us five coffees. That's a donation of $25 um, to the podcast. So thanks very much, uh, Esna, for that. That really does help. And any other listeners who are feeling um, a little bit uh, um, rich, um, you can buy us a coffee by going to markingtheroll.com.au and just click on the little yellow coffee cup. Now to this episode's topic, which is teacher professional development. Every profession has to go through professional development, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a plumber. Um, You have to go through that and have certain points each year to say that you've done this amount of courses. Now, I'm afraid that a lot of the comments and messages we've received about teacher PD hasn't been very positive. Um, The word boring keeps coming up again and again. So uh, Lee and I are just going to take you through a couple of the messages that we've received about teacher PD. And the first emails from Estelle, uh, and Estelle said, most PD is mind-numbing survival rather than useful, as we all arrive with different experience and the PD dumbs it down to the lowest common denominator. The best PD would be if we were allowed to sit down with colleagues from other schools teaching the same subjects and share what is working for us and brainstorm ideas where we are all struggling. We do a little of this informally at sports grounds in stolen five-minute chats. So know the value and potential of a round table. Yeah, and that's, that's a good and certainly a cheap way of doing PD. And here's another one from Lucille. Many of them are not helpful. I'm also annoyed that Nessa keeps changing the goalposts on our maintenance hours. Shouldn't we be able to choose PD that interests us so that we are more engaged in learning rather than ticking boxes? And this one from Judith. I want the freedom to get PD in areas we recognise our weaknesses in rather than school-wide mandated PD. That's another good point. Teachers are very good at recognising their weaknesses and what they need to, to tidy up and... Uh, the mandated stuff just means they're always doing that. You're listening to Marking the Roll, a podcast for teachers and anyone interested in education. We discuss the real issues facing educators without fear or favour. Please follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends. For more info, go to markingtherole.com.au. And just as Judith said, uh, when you have to do either school-wide or statewide mandated PD, there is no time left to look after yeah, your own individual needs as what, what you really need to, to learn and to focus on. And I thought the best way to work our way through some of these PD issues is to have a panel discussion. And here we go. 
Okay, for this panel discussion, I'd like to introduce Josh O'Brien. Josh is a teacher from an independent school in Sydney. Hi, Josh. G'day, Phil. Thanks for having me. And Mark Dwyer, a English teacher from a regional departmental school in New South Wales. Hi, Mark. Hello, Phil. Today's topic is um, teacher PD. Um, and look, in, in the experience of you two, is the teacher PD really addressing the needs of teachers in 2022? Uh, it's a bit of a different environment now than it was five years ago. Josh, do you think it's doing its job? Look, I think there's an undeniable place for teacher professional development in, in the school. Um, but I, I feel that there's a, particularly over the last couple of years, there's been a, 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 a wider, um, more generic approach taken to, to teacher professional learning. Um, and a lot of that voice has been taken away from schools and, and from individual teachers. Um, and, and look, for me, that's, that's sort of taking away from the effectiveness that that could potentially have you know, on teachers and, and for students as well. So it's a more formulaic approach that covers everything mm. rather than individual schools. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think part of the issue is that we have so many um, things that we need to do that, to keep us compliant and it actually ends up taking away from the things that we actually, we need to develop in terms of our teaching practice and our knowledge. So a lot of our PD is taken up with the compliance element rather than what helps us to progress in our delivery of the curriculum. Yes, uh, you're not the first one to mention that. Everyone says this compliance, compliance, compliance. It's it seems to be pretty pretty full on. Yeah, look, a lot of the compliance stuff is all online. I think probably first aid is the only thing that has a practical component to it. Um, but it doesn't mean that it isn't um, time consuming. Josh, you, you would be able to access the same online courses, I suppose. Well, being from an independent school, there's some there's a little bit uh, some some different requirements as well um, that are you know. Tick, I, I would say probably the same boxes as the department schools, but just from different perspectives. You know, an example of we have to do some um, annual modules, you know, WHS and acceptable workplace behavior and etc. You know, all, none of these things happen during allocated time. Um, so that's, that's often quite difficult for teachers to manage to do in their own time, but also um, requirements around, um, again, I, I hate to use the buzzword, but compliance around. Um, mandated hours towards uh, selected uh, courses. Yeah, what I think what you mean. I know the 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 PD in New South Wales has got to revolve around disability, yeah. uh, Indigenous studies, and inclusion. I think that's the Correct. the three, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, they're, um, they're the ones that I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, they're, they're done um, over. I think it's a, a five year span. There has to be a certain number of. Um, of hours done as part of your accreditation rather than focusing on what would make you a better professional and allow you to deliver the curriculum more effectively for the students in your classroom, you know, or, or lead the school more effectively. We're working towards uh, content which may or may not be relevant for our context. Yes. 
Absolutely. So you look at some schools with no Indigenous context Absolutely. whatsoever, um, and that you, you've still got to do that. Um, what, you're in the same situation, Marg. You, I guess you have more of an Indigenous perspective, but do you find that those three areas that you have to cover really take away from the other important areas that need to be to be looked at? Um, I, I actually think that they go hand in hand, Phil, and I think it's really important that we do focus um, on those three elements and with that focus there's um, a greater potential for the reduction in behaviour issues. Yes, yes, and, and I suppose if it can be put into practice in each school, Exactly. And that, that then comes down to, uh, you know, a broad range of things. And it's the, the quality of the PD that is delivered. Um, it's the interest and engagement of the teachers. It's the general school culture. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it sort of, it just keeps growing in terms of mm. how many um, stakeholders we have in order to make it possible for us to facilitate those the things that we learn. And, and, and we'll stay with you, um, Marg. It just what makes good for, for good PD? What are the things that you um, you like to see and that engages you and, and, and your colleagues? Not Zoom. Uh, I think as much as Zoom and, and online learning has made things accessible, especially in regional areas, the engagement level is much lower and you're sitting there on your laptop you're doing marking, people are talking to you down, you know, down the corridors. Um, you're not as engaged as you are if you're sitting face-to-face -face with someone. Look, for me, it's all about relevance in your school's context. Um, so for us, it's been very much about what's important to us at our school. It's been back to the basics assessment. It's been uh, managing challenging behaviours. It's been... Um, unpacking uh, the two or three new syllabus documents that we're going to be unpacking and, and teaching and mandated over the next couple of years. So we've spent a lot of time trying to understand what's relevant to our context and understanding the journey that our staff have been on and uh, learning our students' needs and how we're going to best get them through these next couple of years um, with positive learning outcomes. Mm, mm. And and it, it, are you sick of the Zoom stuff as well? Um, we've we've luckily we've been able to um, step away from Zooms and be back into face-to-face uh, -face meetings for the most part. But believe me, at the beginning of this year, um, we I, I've I've never seen a more disengaged uh, staff team um, than uh, sitting parent-teacher interviews via Zoom. Mm. Good heavens! Uh, for, for the for the fourth or fifth cycle in a row. So, really, what makes for a good PD session? Does it need to be entertaining as well as um, educational? Because some look, I've been to some PD and it was just mogadon. It you know, I've it, it was so boring. Um, I and I hope it's not still like that. But I fear, I fear maybe it is. So what makes for a good session? Phil, think about a, a, a lesson, okay? We're setting out a clear learning intention, okay? We're setting out from the start, what are we achieving by doing this? We have to make it so that it's real, so that it's relevant, 
so that it's rich and teachers have to have to actually see the purpose of what they're doing if teachers can't see the purpose of what they're doing they don't know why they're doing it you get they're going to be disengaged automatically yeah look i would definitely agree um, with what josh is saying and i think it really is presenting 101 to be engaging be relevant um, and and in set that as, as Josh said, set that learning intention. That's what we do day in day out, and to try and get people who do that for a profession to engage in something when that sort of process isn't being followed, you will lose us straight away. And so we don't lose you straight away. Time for a brain break where we give your uh, brain a bit of a chance to relax. Go somewhere else for a while. And this brain break is from Russell Churcher. He's known as Rusty Bucket here in the Illawarra. And this is a traditional song, The Wayfaring Stranger. I am a poor wayfaring stranger While travelling through this world of war Yet there's no sickness Toil or danger In that bright land To which I go I'm going there To see my father Going there, no more to roam. I'm only going over Jordan. I'm only going over home. I know dark clouds. Might gather round me. I know my way is rough and steep, yet beauteous fields lie just before me where God's redeemed their vigils. I'm going there to see my mother She said she'll meet me when I come I'm only going over Jordan I'm only Going there 
see my father I'm going there No more to roam I'm only going Over Jordan I'm only That was Russell Churcher from Yillawarra. If you want to hear Russell playing, he'll be playing at the Yillawarra Folk Festival uh, down there in Bulleye uh, in January. You're listening to Marking the Roll, a podcast for teachers and anyone interested in education. You can keep the podcast going by becoming a member or making a small donation through Buy Us a Coffee. Just go to markingtheroll.com.au and click on the yellow coffee cup. Thanks for listening. We're going to go back to the panel discussion now and start off with a pretty sticky question. Um, This is a bit of a sticky one. What about when you've got mandatory training that teachers don't necessarily agree with what is being said? Now, I... The thing that comes to mind is the um, most recent uh, restraint policy and behaviour policies from the New South Wales Department of Education, where some teachers have said that they simply do not agree with it, but they have to go into training for it. Is there an answer to that problem? I think that's a reflection of wider society at the moment, isn't it? Um, Yeah. Yeah. If... You, you, you know, I, I, if, if people can't express, can't freely express their views, you know, and, and don't have the right to dissent, um, you know, respectfully, then, um, you know, are, are we, you know, do you have that free speech in, in your workplace? Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, you know, something, how much, how much would you be willing to, to sacrifice before you feel that, you're no longer, you know, true to your beliefs. That's a bit of a tough one. Mug, what do you think? I think that's highly topical. Um, <laughs> so, yes, look, I agree with that as well. It's, um, you know, there, there has to be that element. And certainly for me working with the department, we don't have those sorts of freedoms and it isn't that things are open really to our own um, our own moral compass or our own beliefs, um, our own ideas about how things should be handled. It, it is very much just follow the rules. Um, so I, I think that can absolutely challenge teachers in their willingness to participate, their willingness to engage in PD, and therefore ultimately impacting on either their um, pedagogical development or their compliance. Marg, do you think that that is a major reason that teachers could be leaving the service the way they are? Definitely. Definitely. In the school that I am at, I do know of several teachers who have left because they don't agree with uh, various policies. And I am also aware of teachers who have gone against what they think in order to remain which is which is actually soul destroying for them Absolutely. 
Yeah, Josh, have you seen that from from either your school or other schools? Look, where I, I feel in in our system, where you know, so, somewhat sheltered from, you know, not from those all of those policies, but where um, I feel we're a little bit more sheltered. But I certainly know what Marg is getting at there. Um, I, you know, it seems to me that it would be soul destroying for teachers to have to listen to and um, comply, constantly comply with something that doesn't abide by their belief system. Um, so you've both encountered that, or not not personally, but you've probably seen it. Is that is that correct? Yeah, at different yeah. times, particularly lately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I I like to relate this to the Manly Sea Eagles rugby league team, where they had the inclusion game, and there was seven um, mainly Pacific Island players who didn't agree with LGBTQI policies, or not all of them, and they said that you know they didn't agree with it. Therefore, they were stood down from the game. And I'm thinking, well, that's not very inclusive, <laughs> is it? Absolutely. Where, <laughs> where where um, you have to believe in one certain thing and anything else, you're completely ostracised and stood down. It's like Putin's Russia. So um, yeah, it's I, I think that's a bit of a bit of an issue. Now, um, do you think Nessa is moving the goalposts too much as far as PD goes? You know, have you got to do too much these days? Well, the thing that we've struggled with, you know, particularly over the last few years, we've been able to get our own school-based professional development accredited, which has meant that it's it's counted for teachers um, in in the fifty hours of the NESA accredited uh, professional learning for their um, uh, accreditation renewal process every five years. But exactly like you say, they have moved the goalposts over the last couple of years, and they've made the process with. Um, getting school-based PD um, to be uh, accredited and to count towards those hours, they've made that process much more difficult. Um, and that now means that we're either having to attend third-party PD that's either system-based or from a, a commercial, um, you know, enterprise that's, you know, less relevant because it's not based on our needs. It's more expensive Um and it's simply not um, related to our context. Mm. That's been mm. difficult for our school, and, and I know that many, many schools and, and people across our system are expressing those same concerns. What about you, Mark? Yeah, I've sort of found uh, the difficulty with, um, with the hours and the number of hours and, and the process in terms of maintaining your accreditation. Um. You know, I guess, and, and that, that does come down to them changing the goalposts. And mm. you, I find that um, quite a few teachers that I'm aware of are now selecting PD that, um, you know, as Josh said, isn't necessarily relevant to their needs, but they have big hours. And, <laughs> you know, there's there's some courses that you can do over four weeks, one afternoon a week, and you get 20 hours of PD for that. Yeah, so you're just simply ticking the boxes to get the hours. It, it doesn't really matter what you do um, yeah. as long as you do it. Yeah, and, But it yeah. takes away from the fact that people, well, in my day, you used to 
say, okay, I really want to do that particular course you know that really rung bells for you uh and you would really you know go jump through the hoops to get to that course but it seems teachers aren't doing that these days no i feel a lot of the time these days we're just wanting to get it done get it out of the way and then you know you can focus on getting back to the job at hand yep yep um, a, a couple of emails have come through that teachers want to choose their own PD because they know the areas that they're lacking in. They want to be able to simply learn and improve the practice that they think that they're lacking in. Do you think there should be more allowance for that? Certainly, um, but I think it comes down to it being a school decision. Um it, it, there has to be, I think, in order for that to be the case, I think there has to be flexibility in your school's uh, leadership. Um, every school has an annual improvement plan that they're, you know, working towards, um, uh, you know, achieving goals based on their data and their successes and failures over the previous years. Mm. Um, but if... Um, if your annual, if your uh, professional learning plan for the year is chock full of things that are working towards that, then your time really um, to go and do that individual learning that that motivates you, that fits your needs, is really limited because every week, every everybody has to attend one hour of staff meeting. Uh, most most schools have a general business meeting. Um, throw into that your uh, full time employment and. Really, how much time do you have left in the day to uh, that's unallocated to complete those things that really do matter? Mark, what's what's your view of of teacher selected PD and and maybe allowing that eighty percent of all of those hours can be teacher selected? I think that's definitely a necessity because you know at the moment it does really limit what you can do that's your own choice. Hmm. If the majority of allocated professional learning is, is at teacher discretion, I think it makes it difficult to have um, school-driven directions. But look, I, I think it's, it's certainly something that we need to have more flexibility on, uh, uh, something that's, that's planned and decided and set in concrete for the whole year. Mm. Yeah, Jeff, mm. I, I, I do see your point, but I think that comes down to the PDPs and the effectiveness of your PDP and the meeting that you have with your mentor to determine what you do. So if the school mm. has a specific focus, then surely as part of your PDP and the meeting with your mentor, you would be guided in that direction and then you can still have... A, a feeling, you know, you can still have a voice, you can still have choice in what you do, but you are still working towards whatever the school's particular focus is, or if you're working towards the strategic directions, then you, you know, that, that would be part of the PD process, PDP process, surely. I, I, I'm interested to know, have either of you experienced PD that actually looks at the health and well-being of the teacher? Something like you know, keeping healthy at work, stress relief for teachers. Is there such I, a thing? I have, yes, because that's part of my job. Um, but I don't think that that is a regular occurrence with 
most teachers and not even necessarily at an executive level. Look, I tend to agree. I have, but it's been very sort of minimal and and doesn't have the same level of rigour that I would think that, you know, the rest of our professional learning, you know, demands. Look, um, finally, do you think it's important that every PD provider, in other words, the teacher in the, in, in the room, also has had recent classroom experience so that they understand how today's classroom operates and the difficulties that teachers have? Um, because in my experience, the, the ones who were doing the PD really hadn't been in a classroom recently. Um, do you think it's important? I'm glad you brought that up, Phil. Absolutely. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, I think that the context for the classrooms has has changed even in just the last three years. You know, if if I think back to what my classroom looked like pre-COVID, it it was vastly different to what it looks like now. And so, for someone to come in and 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 um, start leading us on best practice, but I know that you haven't been teaching since the early noughties, please. <laughs> yes, please. And I bet there's plenty of PD providers out there who haven't been in a classroom in the last five years when things have changed so much. You've been listening there to Josh O'Brien, a primary school teacher, but also a science specialist in an independent school in Sydney, and Mark Dwyer, a English head teacher at a departmental school in regional New South Wales. To balance things, I did invite Coralie McAllister, the CEO of the Teacher Quality Institute in the ACT, and they look after teacher professional development in the ACT, um, to give a different view, but uh, she declined to come on the podcast. And next episode, we'll be looking at the different behaviour policies and restraint policies that are being introduced in different states. I know there's different policies being introduced in New South Wales. Tasmania is looking at other policies. Uh, and I'll be talking to a number of principals and teachers as to how these policies are going. I probably won't be talking to uh, the New South Wales Education Department because I spoke to them about this matter in uh, Series 1. They probably won't talk to me again. But um, these uh, policies are being introduced in different states. Now, there was a case several years ago where a boy from a school um, phoned the principal and said that they were going to kill him. They went uh, on, on social media and said that uh, they were going to go and shoot up the school. Now, this student, uh, because he was known, uh, had access to guns and knew how to use them. Now, this didn't happen, uh, but um, if the new policies are introduced, that student... Uh, will be suspended for two weeks and then be let back into the school. Now, you wonder how other students feel about that, how their safety is impacted. You wonder how the safety and the well-being of teachers is impacted. So 
in New South Wales, I think it's pretty lucky. There's some some advocates of special schools for these these t- students who don't really fit anywhere else. But in Tasmania, they're taking pride that there'll be no special schools for these uh, students who are very difficult, and they will be in a mainstream classroom. So I ask parents, what do you think about that? Do you feel good sending your kids to that school? Um, So we'll be talking about how these new behaviour policies, restraint policies um, are going in schools. My name's Phil Dye. You've been listening to Marking the Roll. See you next episode.